sorry it's taking so long to get this episode up, but uh, I was trying to find a place to actually do this to where it actually had a decent sound quality. Um, I found a place local here in, in Charlotte that actually was able to had a private space that I could use. It's kind of difficult to do it when you've got two kids at home. So as I said in the trailer episode, in this future podcast, I'm going to be very candid in what I speak about. And I want it to be able to help others. But, but for the first episode, I wanted to be able to speak to you and actually tell you my background and my story. And I'll start from very early age. From a very early age, I was diagnosed with juvenile myconic epilepsy. Um, it was a condition where I had seizures. And most of the time, I knew when they, I could feel it when they were coming, and I could find myself in a safe place, and, or at least try to get to a safe place before I actually started spazzing. I was on medication, okay? Um, I, when I made it to high school, I saw the recruiters. Uh, at that time, they were still in BDUs, um, old uniform way back. And in those uniforms, uh, I, I, I don't know, I was drawn to it. My dad, he always took me to uh, Maxwell Air Force Base in, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and we, we saw the air show there. They had a bunch of, like, decommissioned aircraft that kids can climb in, and I mean, I, I, I loved it from the moment that I actually had the opportunity to experience it. Now, when I made it to high school and I saw these people in uniform, of course, I wasn't eligible when I first got there, but when I got into my senior uh, year of high school, I actually went to the table and I talked to them. And at first, they told me that I was disqualified because of my medical condition. Well, that really hurt me. It really hurt me because I wanted so much to serve. I wanted it so much. I could feel it within the, the deepness of my heart. But in, in the end, it didn't happen. So I thought maybe I'd try again. This time, I thought, well, I'll just keep my mouth shut. Well, that was a bad idea because eventually uh, I remember uh, I was at a drill one time and uh, I actually started to have a seizure during drill and that was the end of that. I should have never tried to hide it because for one thing, it's wrong and secondly, even if I would have made it through and got to basic training and something bad would have happened, it would have been very bad for me. And... If you have a medical condition and you know you cannot do anything about it, for me, it's a religious thing. I feel like God can heal you of anything. He healed me of my condition. That's why I'm able to serve now, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But God can do mighty things in your life, and he's done mighty things in my life. So don't be sold on just the fact that, oh, I have this condition and there's nothing I can do about it. It's much more than that, I can promise you. So... Years and years went by, and I was always moving around from different job to different job. I consistently hated everything I was doing because I felt like I was a failure because I never, I was never able to serve in the military like I really wanted to, and I felt like a failure because I was in this place in my life where I, I had no college. I didn't want to go to college because I hated school. So I was just working dead-end job to dead-end job, never really doing anything with my life. But one day, uh, as luck or fate or destiny, however you want to put it, would have it, I was driving around my hometown. I'm originally from Clanton, Alabama. 
okay, small town in the middle of Alabama, and it's in between Montgomery and Birmingham. I was driving through town, and I passed by our city park where they had our uh, softball fields for slow pitch softball, and I saw a group that was playing softball out there. Well, naturally, I, I went down the hill to the city park. I had my softball equipment in the back, in the trunk of my car. I went out there and stopped and asked if I could, you know, come out there and hit around with them, catch on the field, whatever they wanted. Well, come to find out it was a church group at a church there in my, in my hometown. I mean, I grew up in church, but I never really gave much into it. I didn't really give a whole lot of thought into church because I just thought it was something I had to do because my parents were brought, bringing me or, you know, eventually when my parents stopped going, my grandmother would start taking me. And, and that was the end of it. But for me, I, I just didn't really put a whole lot of emphasis in church. But sometimes all it takes is that little something to get you interested. Um, it, it, for me, the interest drew me from the sports aspect of it. For others, it may be that the camaraderie you have with people that are already in church. Okay, and it doesn't have to be church. It could be something else. Whatever you have specifically for you that, that gives you purpose and meaning in life, do it. If it makes you happy, as long as it's not illegal, I would tell you to stay away from things that are illegal. If it's illegal and you know you could get arrested for it, stay away from it, okay? So, I started going to this church, and, and in the middle of going to this church, I actually love the people there. I love the aspect that they didn't, when you show up to church, they didn't, they weren't the hypocriticals that I had seen in other churches to where they just beat the Bible over your head and then they take that same Bible and burn it in their fireplace that night because they're hypocrites and they, 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 don't, they don't practice what they preach. I'm sure you've heard that term before. But these people, they were generally honest and genuine in what they did. And I told them what I was trying to achieve and I started going to church there and I felt like I had meaning in that church. Well, I still, I, for me, to begin with, it was just sitting in the pews and listening to the sermons, listening to the, the worship music during the beginning of service, and that that's what I was doing. Now, that church, they had a media booth that was upstairs in the church. I always had a, an affinity for electronics. Anything I could get my hands on and work with, uh, work with electronics, that, that, that was my passion. So one day I took it upon myself to go upstairs and, and I asked the guys up there if they needed any help with the production of the, of the services because they had a camera up there. They had a computer that ran the slides for service and they did some other things up there as well, a soundboard for the, for the uh, sound downstairs. And they said, as a matter of fact, we're actually one short up here. We need somebody to run our camera. Well, sh well shoot, sign me up. So then I had another purpose in that church, and it was to actually work in that production. And I, I actually ran that camera, I know, for probably two years. Eventually, the, the guy that was in charge up there, he actually moved on to another location. I think he got a professional job working at some news, newscasting agency somewhere as a cameraman. So he actually left. And so I was the only, really the only one left besides the guy that, that always ran the sound equipment. So I kind of took over the aspect of the computer up on the deck and the camera downstairs, and I would go back and forth. I'd heard the, the healing sermon a thousand times, but one specific service, I felt like God was talking directly to me. 
I went downstairs, got down on my hands and knees, and I begged God to forgive me. I was like, God, I'll do anything if you can heal me of this affliction in my mind. If you can, if you can just give me some sort of purpose and direction to something I can feel as though I'm actually doing something I enjoy doing and do something that, that I feel like I have meaning in. And God, he healed me of that condition. And at that moment, I felt like God was calling me to try to join the service one more time. Well, I still had to have a diagnosis from a doctor proving that I didn't have epilepsy anymore. So I went to that doctor that had diagnosed me so many years ago. And I told him, I want a re-diagnosis. Well, that doctor said, Casey, we already know what you have. There's no point in wasting your money to try to get this, this information that we already know. And I was like, please, just humor me. I've got, the, I've got insurance. Just please do it. Well, in the end of that test, the first test that I did, I actually had a seizure on the table as they were giving me the testing. This test, this time, it was a joke to me. In fact, there was a moment where I actually started laughing during the test. I had to redo that section of the test because in my mind, I felt so comfortable with that test. I knew what the outcome was going to be. I was not fearful of the outcome. Well, sure enough, that doctor came back in after the tests were completed and he sat down and as he was going through all the blips and, and lines on the screen, he turned around. He said, Casey, I don't know what to tell you, but I don't see anything wrong with you. Well, that's when I knew what God had done for me and I knew what my next what, what my next step would be. My next step would be to, to go to an army office and I did such thing. I brought in all my medical paperwork showing that I wasn't on prescriptions anymore, showing that I was re-diagnosed as not having epilepsy anymore. And I had a really great recruiter. Uh, I believe he is now Master Sergeant Cox. He was a, a Sergeant First Class when I enlisted. In fact, I met him when I went through the Army recruiting course. Um, so it, it, chances and fate and destiny, however you want to have it, it sometimes it, it turns itself back around. But he, he was really good, really good in the fact that, that he didn't try to beat around the bush. He told me like it was straight from the beginning. And I do I try my best to do the same thing with, with prospects that I talk to. I don't want to beat around the bush. I want to try my best to give them the, what they need to know right up front because that's what my recruiter did for me, and I knew what I was getting myself into. If you talk to someone and they give you the straightforward and you don't want to do it, then maybe it's not for you. But for me, I, I, he, I felt like he was truly honest and genuine in what, he, in what he did for me. He gave me a book of MOSs, Military Occupational Specialty, for those of you that, that don't know military lingo. But MOS for short. And he told me to go home, take the book with me, pick out my top ten, circle it, put a number out beside it so he, he knows what my priorities are, and bring the book back to him along with my finished application packet. So I did that. But when I got home with that book, I didn't open it at first. At first. I was about to open it as I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, I, I don't want this to be my decision. God has already given me so much. I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. So I got down on my hands and knees on the floor of my grandmother's home, and I prayed over that book. I was like, God, when I open this book, let my eyes see through your eyes. So that when I pick these jobs, they're not my jobs, but they're yours. 
I've made the promise to serve you, and I, and I will keep that promise. Well, after that prayer was over, I opened that book, and I started going through that book. I'm going job by job. The first thing that catches my eye at that time, it was called Chaplain Assistant, or 56 Mike. I circled that and put a one out beside it as my number one. Of course, I did nine more, just like he told me to do. Well, I got to the office that day uh, with that book, and he said, Chaplain Assistant, huh? What interests you there? And I told him a little bit about my background. He said, that makes sense. He said, you know, as a chaplain assistant, it, it, it makes a lot of sense because it, you, you can support the chaplain a lot more if you have a religious background. Because people that aren't religious oriented, they're not going to have the sympathy towards people that, that try to talk to them about religion. Um, so I thought that was a great aspect, especially after I watched the YouTube video that explained exactly what a chaplain assistant does. Now, now the, the term is it's still 56 Mike, but it's actually Religious Affairs Specialist for uh, Private Through Specialist, or E1 through E4, and, and then it's uh, Religious Affairs Non-Commissioned Officer, NCO for short, for uh, Sergeants and above. And based off the position you hold, the name could be a little bit different. Now, at first, he told me, he's like, that job is not in our system, but, you know, go to MAPS because they, for Military Interest Processing Station, I keep throwing out acronyms, I forget, I, I know there's going to be people that are listening to this that are not military, but when I went to the Military Interest Processing Station, or MAPS for short, uh, he told me to get there, tell them what I wanted, and usually they have a lot more pull with the system than he does. Well, I'm sitting there, and they said, well, you got to do a typing test. I was like, okay. So I, I pulled up a typing, the guidance counselor pulled up a typing test on his computer, and he said, you need to be able to do 25 words a minute. So I get up on there, top, 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 top. I barely made 25 words a minute. I, I mean, at that time, I was a, I was a look at single, single punches of the keyboard, and I'm only doing one, but I barely made 25 words a minute. So thank God for that. And uh, he, he scanned that, that, uh, that, uh, testing that I did for the typing into the system so they could see that I did it. And when he jumped on there, he saw that there was one training seat available for, for uh, 56 Mike. So he, he took it. I mean, it was really, really late in the day. It was, I, God, probably 5.30 or 6 o'clock. And I mean, it was a ghost town in there. I think it was me, the guidance counselor, and then his, and then the NCOIC that was in that office. Uh, or the non-commissioned officer in charge, the, sergeant, the master sergeant that was in charge of that office. And so the master sergeant came out and she said, you know what, we don't have time to, to complete the rest of your application pro or the rest of your processing, so just go home, have your recruiter bring you back tomorrow, and we'll finish what we need to do tomorrow. Okay, well, the next day happens. I get there bright and early, and I go back, I go straight to the, to the recruiting office, and... And when I walk in, the master sergeant says, you're Holly, right? You're Holly. So I, I've been waiting on you. I'm so sorry, but the the processing package you did yesterday, we can't find it. I'm, I'm sure it got lost in the paperwork around here somewhere. We're trying to find it, but don't worry. And then she told me, go back and do your, go back and do your security clearance stuff. You're going to have to have that for the job anyway, and we'll keep looking. We will find your, we will, we'll find it. Well, as I'm signing every, the last dotted line of the uh, security background check for the security clearance, I, the master sergeant knocked on the door and she said, listen, um, we could not find your paperwork for that other job, 
but we found one more. It's actually the last one they said they're going to have on the system for a year, and they it actually leaves in one month. Is that good for you? And I was like, that's perfect, because I was actually in a college class trying to um, get enough college credits to get one promotion to E2 before I leave. So that was perfect for me. So if this wasn't God's calling, I don't know what was, because everything was falling right into place. So that's how I came to be a, a chaplain assistant, or then chaplain assistant, religious affairs in CO now. I'm now a, a staff sergeant. I've been in the Army seven years now, and I'm telling you, looking back, it is the best decision I ever made. I was working this dead-end job, and it, it just, I felt like it wasn't taking me anywhere, and I quit. Well, that was a stupid decision on my part because then I didn't have I didn't have a way to pay my rent for my apartment, and I didn't have any way to pay any of my bills. So naturally, I I, I couldn't pay my rent, and my grandmother is as godly and uh, compassionate as she was. She actually gave me the opportunity to move into her spare bedroom, and I actually uh, had all my furniture and stuff in her storage out behind her home. So I, I thank God for her because without her, I probably couldn't have made it anywhere. Um, she always was so compassionate and, and she was always respectful of the decisions I was making, regardless of how stupid they, those decisions may have been. She always respected me in those decisions. She would try to guide me and say, hey, if you feel that's what you need to do, then do it. But at the end of the day, she let me stay with her and I actually stayed with her uh, roughly about a month and a half to two months before I enlisted into the Army. And, God, she spent so much money on me as a kid. I mean, she's done so much for me. I cannot ask for anything. I can't ask for anything more. I, I would try my best to pay her back every dime I could, but the type of woman she is, she turned it all away. I even set up, a, I had a bank account set up, and I was depositing money in that account, and she eventually, she just said, you know what? You paid me enough. Just don't worry about it anymore. And I mean, if she doesn't end up in heaven, then I, don't, I have no idea what, where this world is going. I don't know. But I mean, she is at the point where, I mean, she has got treasures laid up in heaven that, that I can't even fathom right now. My mother, she has always been there for me. Very compassionate as well. My mother is a very emotional person, such as myself, and I, I, I thank her and I love her for what she does. When I, In fact, when I enlisted in the Army, my mother, she got very emotional when she heard that I had passed the ASVAB, because I had failed it previously, so, you know, I, I can understand why she would think that, you know, oh, crap, you actually made it this time. But my dad, my dad knew the dead-end jobs that I was going to and from and back and forth from one job to the next. He knew all this stuff. So at the end of the day, I mean, he, he had his doubts whether or not I was going to succeed. And you know what? When I graduated on graduation day from, or actually it was family day, it was the night that we got back from family day. My sister, uh, my nephew, and my mother all came together. My parents were divorced at this time, so them riding together I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. But when they showed up and they were in the same vehicle together, I, I felt I'm, I, I was already ecstatic because I'm graduating from basic training with the U.S. Army. But it, 
but seeing that just made it even better, just put icing on the cake. But at the end of that night, um, when they were releasing me to go back to the barracks to get ready or to go finish out the night and then get back in the barracks to get ready for graduation the next day, my dad told my, my mother, my sister, and, and my nephew, can you please go sit in the truck for a minute? I need to talk to Casey. And when they went and sat down and they closed the doors, he brought me to the back of his truck and he said, Casey, I, I definitely had my doubts when you came here. I certainly didn't think that you were going to make it because of everything else that's happened. And, you know, I just want you to know that, that you've made me a believer. That's the first time I've ever seen my daddy cry. And, I mean, it was amazing to see it. And ever since then, I mean, my dad has supported me in everything. My dad, he, he put up a flagpole outside his home. He hung an army flag from it. He's got a sticker, uh, a proud Army dad on the back of his truck. He brags to me about it and to his co-workers. He's so proud of me because of what I'm doing. And I mean, so I'm glad that I was able to at least give something to my parents and show to them that I'm more than just the deadbeat I used to be. There is so much more to go over and to say, but that's going to have to wait for future episodes. But at this moment in time, I just want to say that from this point forward, I'm going to have special guests that are going to come on with me that are going to uh, give you an experience based off of what they have been through. I've got a female recruiter that she's been in the Army for, for quite some time now, uh, pretty close to the time frame I've been in. Uh, that way you can get a female perspective of what it's like to be a female in the Army. And also... Uh, a combat-oriented person that's, that had a lot of time in a combat-oriented role so you can actually hear their experiences and what they've been through. There's also going to be episodes where I talk about just the stresses and things that you have to deal with, not just in the Army, but in general. Some people, they, they stray away from talking about their stresses and the everydays because they feel of repercussions. I'm not going to say any names about people. I'm not going to demean anybody or degrade anybody in any form or fashion. And at this, at this moment in time, I'm just going to tell you that when I talk about the things I talk about, they've actually either happened to me or someone very close to me that I know. Just please bear with me over the next few weeks because I'm, having, I'm, I'm still working things out. I mean, this seems like a pretty good environment here. If I can continue to do it from this room, I will. Um, this is actually a local YMCA in my area. I won't be here for that long, so whenever I move on, wherever the Army sends me, I'll have to find a new place. But it seems like this one, at least for right now, seems to be pretty good. But I'm going to try to keep this up. I can't say that I'm going to be able to do weekly podcasts, but I'm surely going to try my best. I mean, tonight I actually brought my, my, my two girls, uh, uh, Susanna and Cassandra, to child care here at the YMCA so I could do the podcast and also give my wife Cecilia a break at home. Um, I'm going to have her on eventually so she can actually give a spouse perspective of what it's been like. I'm going to have to get another one too because my wife, I mean, the Army has definitely spoiled me up to this point. I've only been in one unit that actually had deployable people in it, but I only deployed for short periods of time. So I can't actually speak from the perspective of actually being deployed like some soldiers have for months and months and months. I mean, for me, it was just short stints, so I can't attest to that. But 
speak getting a spouse's perspective on what it's like to actually have their spouse away for long periods of time and how they actually dealt with it that that's where I'm going to go with that so you actually have that kind of perspective as well if you have questions or anything I'm gonna post this on YouTube so you'll see that I mean this is you're probably watching this on YouTube as we speak but uh, I'm going to be putting stuff on YouTube if you have comments and you want to ask a question in the comments section Please, I mean, like and subscribe the video, and I will, any comments you have, if you have questions or concerns, if you've thought about joining the military, I will try my best to answer those questions as, as best I can. I'm not, I'm not completely 100% um, in the know on every single military branch. Uh, everything that I know up to this point about the other branches is what other people that are actually in those branches have told me and what their experiences are. Okay, so I will speak from what other people have told me, but I cannot speak for, it's like I'm in that service, I know exactly how it is, okay? If I need to, I will find another person that's in that service and have them sitting with me so you can hear it straight from their mouths, the experiences and what they, you know, point A to point B, what it has been like for them. Outside of that, um, I really hope that in these future podcasts that I can touch your heart in some way. If anything, just let just give you the feeling that you're not alone in your stresses and in your emotions because there is definitely moments when I have gotten home from the office and just wanted to throw something against the wall. Or I get home and I'm just so exhausted with my with my work that I've done for that day. I just feel like doing nothing but sitting there and watching TV. I don't even feel like going to the gym, but you know what? I have to. So I, I make that time. But, you know, when you find the things that make you happy, that, you know, those things that you can get away from, you know, your inner thoughts for a while and just be able to focus on you and nothing else, that's what's going to be the biggest thing for you is to find that, that purpose and that motivation in your life. And once you do that, I promise you, it'll be the best thing that you've ever found. I, when, when I go out and do things with my family and I can just get away from my thoughts and just be with them for a little while, that, that's what motivates me. Also, when, when I take my girls to the gym to give my wife a break, that eases my mind because I know she can be at home right now relaxing and, and doing whatever she wants to do during this time. Now, granted, she's probably slaving away over, over the kitchen sink or she's slaving away over the stove or in the laundry room or upstairs trying to clean the toys in our bonus room. But I try my best to take the girls whenever I can to give her a break. I don't, I can, I really can only do it in the evening. So, but I mean, we're on a regular schedule right now. So we have to be able to maintain what we got, at least for the time being. I thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to speak to you from the heart. And I promise you this is not going to be a podcast about religion. It's not going to be a podcast about God. And although I am appreciative of God for everything he's given me, this podcast is going to be a candid environment to where anything can be said and um, just basically just open up about any concerns or anything that you may have. And I, I really hope in this near future that, that you can get something out of it. So I, I really appreciate this opportunity to be able to speak to you and I look forward to what this, this podcast or these videos can do for you in your near future. Thank you very much.